Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. It's Justin Hahnemann, the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're going undercover. I know. We're going undercover with undercover snacks. I know. Catchy, cool, funny. I can't even wait for you to meet my my host, my guest today, Diana Levy. Diana, it's so great to have you on the podcast. Hi, Justin. Very excited to be here. Thank you. It's so great that you're here. I love the company name. I had so much fun like learning more about you and the products and like Truly, like it's amazing, like what you've done. Um, I can't even wait to unpack that. Um, no pun intended. And so, <laughs> before we get there, though, and talking about the company and your your products and whatnot, um, share with our audience a little bit about you and your background before launching Undercover Snacks. Sure. So, so I uh, had done a, a bunch of things after I graduated from college. Um, a ridiculous number of things. I worked in public relations on political campaigns. I worked for new, in news broadcasting. I was a trader on the Chicago Board Options Exchange. Dang. And then I went to law school and we kept moving. And eventually I threw up my hands. I had three kids in diapers and I became a stay-at-home mom for 15 years. And then I started a, I decided I wanted to really be an entrepreneur. I started a small chocolate business in 2013 partly because my husband had been on the finance end of the food space and had worked for a lot of chocolate companies. And I knew that it was a good idea since I didn't have any experience in anything at that point to do something that he he understood. And so I started a small chocolate business, took a bunch of chocolate classes. And originally in 2013 had a, you know, it was more like a hobby, but I was pretty much dipping things in chocolate and, and selling them for <laughs> events and things like that. And, Got it. Um, <laughs> and then in 2016, two of my three teenage daughters were diagnosed with celiac disease. And I really wanted to come up with a chocolate snack that was healthier, better for you, gluten-free. Um, at this point, I, you know, I understood chocolate and I came up with, you know, t- you know, the typical mom story. I started mixing all sorts of ingredients in my kitchen and I came up with this product and, um, was really successful in getting it on the market and then just built a business since that, <laughs> since launching it in 2017. I love it. Well, you like fast forwarded through all the good stuff that we're about to dive into. <laughs> I can't even I, wait. I, I gave, I gave and I built this amazing company and now we're, we're good. Um, all right. So <laughs> I love it. Thank you for giving us the high level. So all the way back, so you were dipping things in chocolate and selling them <laughs> at markets. Like what? Before the quinoa part, which we'll get to in a minute, what were those things you were dipping in chocolate and were people buying it? Yeah. So so the best thing that I was doing, I became obsessed with chocolate covered caramel apples. Ooh. And I'll tell you, I was re- I, I I came up with a recipe. It was the best chocolate covered caramel apple you you would ever imagine. Yum. It was so it was so good. But the problem is people were taking like, you know. A bite of it, and they'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't eat this. This is, you know, this is <laughs> so too big. Much. It's too yeah. much sugar. It's too much. <laughs> right. It's too much chocolate." And so I didn't really see a way to scale that the kind the way. I mean, in order to build a big business, I could see a way to have you know a franchise business or to do events, but it was. Um, but but I was looking for something that I could scale a little bit more than that, and so it was a great way to 
learn how to become an entrepreneur and learn where, where the market was and what I wanted to do and, and, and figure some stuff out. And that's, that's kind of what I did with it at that point. But I was mainly, you know, dipping in my basement. I love it. And I was exhausted. I bet. So, um, so the apples were selling, I mean, like, yeah, when you, so they, I mean, I, it was more, yes, they were selling, but more, not, I mean, hobby. it was more of a hobby. It yeah. was more that I, you know, for events, people would hear that I was doing this and they would, you know, place an order with me or for gifts or for holiday gifts. And, and, and I, a couple of retail stores, I had friends who had retail stores who let me put in a couple of shelves with, with my products, Perfect. but it was, it was more of a hobby than a business at that point. Got it. So then um, I'm fast forwarding just a bit. So when did you discover this whole idea? And I'm going to read this because I wouldn't get it right if I didn't read it. But the ultimate, you ultimately discovered the perfect combination, which is crispy organic quinoa with just enough milk or dark chocolate. I'm guessing at some point you discovered that was it. How did you get to that point? So when my kids were diagnosed with celiac, I, uh, Took, I finally learned how to use Excel at some point. And I, I sat down, <laughs> nice. I sat down with a bunch of spreadsheets and I knew I wanted to come up with a certain sugar, fiber, calorie. Um, you know, so, 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 you know, I, I had sort of like, you, you know, I knew I knew where I wanted to be on those levels. And then sure. I took every ingredient imaginable. And every day my kids would go to school and I'd make like 20 recipes for myself and I'd, you know, start. And I was eating them the entire time that I was doing this. And, <laughs> and, and, um, and eventually one day I just tried this one combination and I'm like, I hit it like home run. Oh <laughs> I'm like, I gosh. couldn't believe it. And nobody cared. My kids thought I was crazy. <laughs> and, right. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they wanted nothing to do with it. Right. And my, 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 my husband thought it was terrific. So my husband, my husband was always, you know, my, was always behind the taste tester. Positive, but but um, I didn't even tell anybody that I did it. I just came up with this product and I created some packaging, and then I couldn't believe how quickly I got it on the market. Okay, but, but I, even like by the time I got it on the market, two of three, two out of three of my kids hadn't even tasted it and didn't even know what I was doing. <laughs> That's so funny. It's like, mom, <laughs> another one of those things you made in the basement. Um, right. So okay, cool. So you come up with something that tastes good that could be snack worthy. How did you figure out like? truly packaging. You hadn't been in CPG. You hadn't, you know, developed a, a food product and got it into market and put barcodes on it and priced it and put the right quantity. I mean, how did you figure that out? Google. I kept Googling and Googling and Googling every single thing. I mean, I didn't, I literally did not know. I didn't know anything about business, let alone about consumer product goods. I didn't, I don't even think I knew what CPG stood for. That was five years ago. And <laughs> I, fair. and it's I, <laughs> Literally. Um, but every single thing I would Google and I just would Google and be up all night Googling constantly. And for things that were not Googleable, I went to trade shows and I, you know, whether it was, whether it was, you know, and, and I would just talk to whomever would talk to me endlessly and go wherever they would point me and, and whatever, you know, food manufacturing support groups I could go to or anybody, anybody who would talk to me, I would just talk to until I figured stuff out. 
That's very, very cool. So then once you had like th- this thing that tasted good and you you guys liked, you and your husband and maybe some others, <laughs> right? I mean, right? And so... It was just me and my... Nobody else tasted it. Yeah. Seriously. Before it hit, oh, before it hit Whole Foods. Right. I mean, I think my sister, my sister tried it. And, that's and what it. was her feedback? Before, she loved it. But no, but I didn't... I mean, I literally didn't even tell anybody what I was doing. Okay. <laughs> I love this. So fun. Um, again, this is why I, I always say this when I'm doing these interviews. Like, this is why I do this podcast. It's so fun meeting people like you. Everybody, everybody like, thought every was story fun, is I so just, different. Yeah, I just didn't even want to. I just, you know, I figured there was no no need to. It's like, I don't know. even want to hear why Thank it you. won't work. <laughs> I, I think it's good. Um, okay. So, yeah. so you create some packaging, right? So did you do like an initial run or were you still making this at home at the time? Kind of the initial part? Like, what did that look like? Uh, I rented a commercial kitchen on the weekends and I was able to bring in my, you know, you know, my tabletop tempering machine or, you know, a couple of them. And I'd set up in a commercial kitchen and I'd make the product by myself. I'd package it by myself. I'd seal the bags by myself, put them in a case by myself, bring it, you know, I brought quickly, you know, I brought them to two stores before Whole Foods and I was surprised. They're like, yeah, sure. Sell them, put them on the shelf. And then those started selling. And then you know, a couple of days later, I, I found somebody who I knew worked at Whole Foods was going to an event. And so I figured out a way to go to the event and gave her a bunch of samples. And I didn't think I'd ever hear from her again. And then she called me two weeks later and said, you know, these are really good. She goes, and I had already changed my packaging now two times and lost a bunch of money in packaging <laughs> changes because there were problems. Got it. And she said, well, if you change, change your packaging one more time, because you can't have this here and this year for Whole Foods, right? I'll try you on one store in Newark, New Jersey. So I said, great. I said, I'll, I'll change my I'll packaging. I'll change all my packaging. I'll it all <laughs> for the third time. And um, she put me in one store in Newark, New Jersey. And within an hour on the shelf. And so I made it in, in a commercial kitchen on the weekend, packaged it, brought it around to the back of the store, went yeah. around to the front of the so store. So you did the delivery. You literally were delivering product, right? I literally was yeah. delivering the product and then I'd walk around. And then I walked around to the front of the store and started demoing it. And it was the opening day of Newark, New Jersey and the Whole Foods team from the Northeast happened to walk through. And within an hour on the shelf, it was selling really well. And Somebody tried it and she's like, this is great. You're authorized to sell throughout the Northeast. Oh, so very, very but, quickly. Okay. And very quickly within an hour on the shelf, I was authorized to sell throughout the Northeast. Which is great, except you were doing the packaging <laughs> and you and were I, doing yeah, weekend work. I, you can't yeah, scale yeah. that, right? So how did you scale to meet that? Because it's like, whoa, that's not a couple boxes in the back door of one store. I mean, that's like. Well, it actually, I mean, for a couple of months it was. So I still rented the commercial kitchen on the weekends, made it, you know, for several months, I did it that way. And then, but that same week that that happened, I was lucky enough to have a conversation with somebody at Starbucks, which is highly unusual at that point, but I was able to get it into the hands of somebody at Starbucks. And that same week they said to me, listen, (laughs) we'll do a trial in 120 stores if you can manufacture enough to be in 8,000 stores in three months, but you have to, you know, convince us that you can do that. Otherwise we can't do, we can't do the trial. Right. And I said, I'm sure there's gotta be some way to do that. So at that point I was making it for Whole Foods on the weekends, but I was flying around the country during the week, trying to find somebody to manufacture right. for me. 
a, so a food I manufacturer. Of this opportunity at Starbucks, and I quickly realized nobody could make the product the way that I wanted it. No, there was no existing manufacturing line. You know what I could do very simply and easily. You know, on my own and in you know with spoons and trays. <laughs> right. Nobody had nope. There was there was no. I couldn't believe it, but there was no existing equipment to do it. That's, and that's um, and so then I sort of, you know, my husband, who was not really paying attention to what I was doing at this point, I said, listen, I think we have an unusual opportunity. I don't think that many food businesses in day week, you know, day one, week one on the shelf, get no, this feedback no. from Whole Foods and Starbucks. Right. And, you know, I, I was almost 50. I said, I don't want a birthday present. Get me packaging Get equipment. Get me some packaging <laughs> equipment. <laughs> and... So ultimately I can, you know, ultimately he paid a little bit of attention and we, because he was in the finance world, we were able to figure out a way to finance a factory. And I, at that point, I I guess this was, you know, about 10 months later, I was in my own 2000 square foot, you know, garage like facility making it that was FDA approved, but it was still not really a manufacturing facility. Um, And I, went around the whole world really trying to figure out how to design a manufacturing line. And most, most people wouldn't talk to me and thought I was nuts, but eventually somebody, (laughs) somebody, you know, from a, from an equipment company sat down with me, got a group of engineers to sit down with me and I designed the manufacturing line and bought the manufacturing line and traded up my 2000 square foot space to an 11,000 square foot space and installed it. And it actually worked. Wow. And so now, and that, that, so that was, yeah. So that was in 2000, we got that up and going in about August, 2018. And then since then we're now in about 10,000 stores in the United States, a couple of thousand stores internationally, and we're on United Airlines. Oh, so we've been, that's crazy. We've been, we've been really busy. <laughs> okay. So did you have to bring on more people to help? I mean, like, what did the people part of it look like? And, and how did that play out? Uh, well, initially, I mean, it was all going fairly quickly. And we actually had a manufacturing line with nobody besides myself and my husband who were trained to operate it. And we we're not manufacturing people. I mean, I, I, I literally was like the mechanic and I was up on the roof fixing the chiller. And, and I, 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 mean, I, 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 I was the mechanic. He would help a little bit. And we ran the line. Eventually we found a couple other people to run the line. And then when the line went down one day, we were on the phone with people in Europe trying to fix it and completely panicked. And my, we had an electrician in who, was doing electrical work. And we said, listen, can you take a look at this and see if you can figure this out with the guys in, in Europe? And he fixed it. And we're like, please come work for us. <laughs> please Just, come work for us. Don't need to be an electrician be anymore. Be, be an operations manager. <laughs> right. And and so he became our operations manager. He he started where he still works for us. And he's he runs now, he runs all the manufacturing and the operations. How cool and is so that? And so that became like the, a key, you know, and then, we, and then we hired a food safety manager. We're now SQF. SQF uh, certified uh, highest Explain level. That. Explain quality. that just so people understand that. Um, so, so I mean, you can have a food manufacturing business and be FDA approved or even USDA approved if it's a, you know, depending on the product. But in order to sell 
anywhere in order to sell places like Costco and places like, you know, the, the higher level, you know, you know, nationally in Whole Foods or, or anywhere you want, you've really got to be uh, SQF certified. And it's a very, you know, it's a very, it's a, it's very hard to get there. You need to follow a million different protocols and programs and, uh, your facility has to meet the highest, you know, levels of these programs. You get audited once a year, um, and we've consistently gotten the highest, you know, the highest levels of uh, on our audits. Now, I guess, I guess, I guess we've been SQF three certified now for this. We just got our third certification, so we've wow. been certified for That's awesome since two thousand. I don't know since two thousand eighteen. I guess right after we got the equipment, we got certified, and. Um, uh, so we've got a food safe. So, so, you know, another critical hire was a phenomenal food safety manager. And then we've got, you know, somebody who is a consultant who can, who can sort of help us also work with her. Um, and so that, you know, and then, and then we have, you know, a couple of other kind of key people. And from there, we are able to hire a really good group of operators. And, um, you know, the challenge now is we, we just, have grown so quickly. We quickly went into a second shift and now we're trying to go into a third shift wow. and, and, um, trying to find, you know, these key people who can manage second and third shifts is, sure. is a, it's, it's a, is challenge. a challenge for a lot of companies right now. Yeah. Um, what about sales and marketing? It sounds like you hit, you hit it off quickly with the outlets and retail. So then you have to do much, a whole lot of marketing, but what does that look like for you guys? Do you still do some, I mean, like, how do you think about that? Um, well, initially I just did everything and I almost did it. I almost did it on the side of building the manufacturing because it was so, you know, I was so immersed in, in building the facility and, and making sure the men, you know, I didn't want to get ahead of myself with sales and marketing. I was, I was really trying to do the facility, but the, the product is really good. And it, almost organically started taking off in stores because it's really good. And in terms of marketing, our marketing is really simple. You just right. try the product and you people buy the product. People buy it. And so, so, so we're like, we're kind of checking all the boxes, I think, in terms of what people are looking for now. And then for marketing, all I really have to do is figure out a way to get it into people's hands. And then I get customers and it sells. And so by doing that, we, I, it just sort of, you know, it, the, the sales evolved very quickly. I hired the first person to help in sales about a year ago who joined as a national sales director. And then my daughter actually graduated from college about a year and a half ago. And she had been doing a bunch of projects of relating to undercover her senior year. And she just was incredibly enthusiastic. So she now does our social media and helps in marketing and, um, and works, works remotely, but is, pretty like just completely obsessed with the business and and oh, I and love that. Love How fun is that? And, yeah. So that's really fun. And then I have two other daughters who are still in college but are brand ambassadors. And ah, so it's it's a little cool. bit nuts, but it's actually <laughs> and, and my husband my husband now does this um full time and works works in undercover. So crazy. Yeah, and the reviews on Amazon are like off the charts. I mean like unbelievable. Anyway, I Really cool. How important is e-commerce? Like, uh, I see you sell off your website, D2C, um, but and also, of course, your retail uh, presence is huge, and you're on Amazon. Like, how how do you think about sales channels? Uh, e-commerce is obviously really, really important, especially during COVID. It was really, you know, super important to build e-commerce when we didn't know exactly where retail was going at different points. 
Um, it's a little tricky for us because we're selling chocolate that melts. And so six months of the year, we're, you know, we're, we're making sure we have to use cold packs and the shipping is challenging and, and expedited shipping. Um, so, so it's important, but retail is super, you know, retail locations are super important to us because of that. Yeah, no doubt. I can imagine. And then how do you decide like flavors? Like what's next? What did you start? (laughs) What did you start with? And then what has evolved? Um, I started with what I liked because nobody else had tried it. I mean, I said, so, so literally I just came up with the flavors. I mean, it was just milk chocolate, pumpkin spice, dark chocolate. Let's see. I like those. That's more or less how I did it. Um, and then, and dark chocolate, blueberry, dark chocolate, pomegranate, sea salt, dark chocolate, yum. Milk chocolate and currants. I mean, it turns out I called them currants because they are currants. They're like little baby raisins, but a lot of people don't know. They don't know what a current is. They think it's something in the ocean. uh, Right. So that, ironically, that's like people's favorite flavor when they try it. But because it's, because there's a little bit of a disconnect, it it ends up being like number five in terms of sales. But when people try it, it, it's their favorite. I was going to say any, any duds, any of them were like, eh, that didn't work. Um, well, one we discontinued. So, so originally I had milk chocolate and seeds was one of the original flavors and it was uh, sunflower, pumpkin, oh, flax, okay. and chia seeds. And right out the gate, when Whole Foods took it, the person said to me, listen, you got to change that one to dark chocolate. We don't want milk chocolate for that. So I'm like, fine. I scrapped milk chocolate, made it dark chocolate. But then it turned out that was, even though that was some, you know, it was, it was, it was like either everybody, it was either you know, 10% of the population, it was their number one choice and 90% of the population, it was their, their least favorite. And so, um, and, and it was a little bit challenging with the shelf life of the seeds. And so we, we scrapped that flavor. And so some people are really sad and most people don't know that. Don't even know <laughs> <laughs> There's always be somebody, right? So, so we, so we scrapped that flavor. Um, and at that point we did dark chocolate and pomegranate, which we then want to a next day award from uh, really New Hope, cool. which is Equine's Expo West, and we've add, added seasonal flavors: um, dark chocolate and pumpkin spice. We've got milk chocolate and sprinkles coming for Easter, Ooh, and we've got, we've got some others in the pipeline. And as soon as you know, there's just we've just been sort of so busy that I haven't been able to complete the <laughs> execution of them. <laughs> Right, but but we've got some other flavors and some different products and some some other exciting things in the pipeline as soon as as soon as we can get to them. Got it. I love that. Um, so I, I I always love to ask our guests this: like, what would be you know two or three of the biggest lessons learned that you'd share with other entrepreneurs? And you've had an interesting journey, unlike many others. Um, what would be two or three things you would offer to our listeners as you think about? Gosh, some of the biggest things I've learned that you know over the time of launching this are. Uh, I think number one is persistence. I mean, I think that, you know, when, when I hear other people say, oh, I wish I could start a business, but I can't because these are the problems with this product or this business. Um, I mean, looking back, every single thing I wanted to do was an enormous problem. It was an impossible problem. At some point we got in so deep that we realized we had to get you know, through the problems because we had already invested everything we had in the business. But I also learned that every problem is a way of looking at it and, um, and, and problem solving. It's not, there, there's, there's no problem that I've come across yet that if, you know, you sat down with a piece of paper and a pen and you sort of said, all right, well, how am I going to solve this? There's some way to solve There's, there's sure. some way to solve it. Every, every obstacle, there's some way to solve. 
Um, and then at a certain point, you realize, you know, if you get through this point and this point and this point, all of which seems impossible, that you can get through anything. And so I think you just have to, you know, look at every, you know, every obstacle as a problem to solve and not a reason not to, not to, you know, do the business. Um, like if you, if you see that there's a market there, if you think something's going to sell, that's really the most important thing. And then after that, you just got to solve the problems. Love that. That's awesome. That's some great coaching. <laughs> you know, that's great. Persistence pays off. Um, man, this is so cool. Uh, it's been so fun having you with us today. I, I'm so excited for you to see where this is going to go. Um, I mean, what about like, what about like club channel? Would you do a multi-pack like Costco? You know what I mean? I'm yeah, I've got it sitting bigger... right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking like I've got it, a, a um... mega bag of, of this would be pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, in fact, here it is. Here's the mega oh, awesome. You guys um, can't see it, but it's like, <laughs> she's showing me this on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. We're, we're, you know, fingers crossed, hoping to, hoping, hoping, you know, we get into a couple of regions of Costco. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I get requests all the time for, from people to I'm have sure. a bigger back. And so we're hoping <laughs> to do that. Yeah. Right. So, no. so, so, so I think, I think, you know, I think cost, you know, I, I hope Costco will take it. I think some other retailers will probably take a larger bag too, but, but definitely. That's, that's a high class, that's what, high class problem. Right high class yeah. problem. You're taking calls and not having to go to them. <laughs> it's amazing. Hey, Diana, it's been so great having you on. Share with our audience where to find you, connect with you, buy your product, et cetera. Uh, we are in, most we're, we're in a lot of grocery stores right now. We're in all Kroger and all Kroger owned banners. We're in all CVS health hubs. We're Rite Aid enterprise wide. We're uh, in most, you know, most grocery on the East coast, especially starting to go, you know, more uh, West coast, Midwest um, and in grocery, but a lot of major retailers have it now. And then also we're on Amazon and on our website, undercoversnacks.com. Amazing. So cool. I, 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 it's been so great meeting you. I had a lot of fun, like I said, um, just exploring and your company Airlines, yeah. and United Airlines. I mean, and, that's... And it's a great. so if you're on United, get the uh, tapas box and then it's in one other box too. I can't the remember. Snack boxes. Yeah, yeah. So fun. It's been so great. I mean, you've got, I mean, you guys have done so much and yet there's so much uh, in front of you. And so I hope you'll come back on down the road. Um, really Love been great you. having you here. And uh, man, thanks so much for spending time with us. Thank you. Very nice to talk to you. Appreciate it. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck and powered by Contender Brands. You can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.